Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of the Home Hour podcast. This is the show where we talk about family, food, keeping our households running, and basically everything that happens inside our four walls. I'm your host and creator of thehappiesthome.com, Megan Francis. So one announcement before we really get into today's show, it is the first week of summer break for my kids and As I usually do, I kind of underestimated the chaos that goes on when school is out and everyone's just kind of around all day. Uh, So I've decided to take a couple of weeks off from the podcast. This will be the last episode until the beginning of July. We should be back the first Thursday in July. And then after that, we're going to go down to um, a show every other week until fall. And then once school's back in, we will hit um, the every week podcast episode schedule again. I think that will give everybody a break. I know people aren't, you know, as listening to as many podcasts over the summer anyway. And gosh, it is really difficult to find the time to schedule interviews during the summer when my kids are home and most of my guests' kids are home. So this will just give everybody a nice break. So again, this is the last episode um, until July. And that gives you a great opportunity to go back through the archives if you just really want to hear um, some more episodes. This is episode 33, so unless you've listened to all 33 episodes, you've got some catching up to do. Um, don't forget about those first, you know, those first shows. I had Gretchen Rubin and Kelly Hampton back when it was called The Kitchen Hour. Uh, Melissa D. Arabian from the Food Network. I had some really good interviews way back then. And all you have to do is go to thehomehour.com. To find a list of all of the shows and all the episodes, and you can just scroll through and find one that appears. I also want to point you toward the blog because Sarah and I are doing a regular series now. Every Monday, we are posting a summer shortcut, something really simple and easy that we do to make our lives uh, more simple and a little lazier over the summer. And so far, we've got two up. Sarah posted a really ingenious strategy she uses for keeping small toys and um, craft supplies and things like that organized over the summer with cookie sheets. And I talk about giving your kids a bath at night and then putting them to bed in their clean clothes rather than pajamas since, you know, they're just going to get up the next day and get dressed anyway. Um, I just find that's one little lazy way to kind of make my life a little easier over the summer. So if you just go to the blog, thehappiesthome.com, those posts will be up every Monday. Also working on some great email only content. And so when you're at the blog, when you go to the sidebar, there's a place where you can sign up for our email list. Um, This is a great time to get on that list because I'm really beefing up the exclusive content on our email list and um, people are really enjoying it and I'm getting a lot of great feedback. So definitely check that out. Okay, so for today's show, a little bit later, the featured guest is Nikki McGonigal. Her site is NikkiInStitches.com and she's also got Nikki's NikkiInStitchesCraftAcademy.com. As you might have guessed, she is a craft expert, and I had a lot of fun talking with her, so she's coming up a little bit later. And first, we've got our regular style co-host, Shayna from Ain't No Mom Jeans. Shayna and I had a hilarious conversation because we started off talking, uh, we took actually a question from Sarah about dressing when you have really pale skin and how to sort of dress for your skin color and your and your skin tone and it led to us talking about the old color me beautiful maybe it's not old maybe it's still around i don't know <laughs> system that i remembered from the 80s and 90s and so we just had as generally we do um shana and i had a really fun conversation so we're going to get right to that now
Hey everybody, I'm here with Shayna of Ain't No Mom Jeans for another edition of our style segment. Welcome, Shayna. Hi, Megan. So nice to be here. So great to have you. So today, Shayna and I are going to be talking about something that is can be really kind of tricky to sort of define, but it's one of those things that I think we all think about when we're picking out, especially when we're picking out um, outfits for special occasions and that kind of thing, and that is what kind of colors look good on us. And is there really such a thing as a color scheme that, you know, is your, is, is your color scheme or one that doesn't look great on you? And Shana, I know that we're about the same age, so I have to talk about something that just popped into my head that we had when I was in, I want to say junior high. Oh my gosh, going to talk about Color Me Beautiful? Yes! (laughs) I think it was called Color Me Beautiful. Okay, so it was the thing was like, it was like a binder, right? First of all, how do we get this? Like, I think we got it in school. Did you get yours My in school? My mom was obsessed. My mom was obsessed with it. So she was always like, oh, honey, I think you're a fall or a, a spot okay, or whatever. Yes. And I can still remember. Okay, I'm totally going to link. I'm sure there's some nostalgia website out there that has this. and But I can see it in my head. So it was basically, for those who don't know, it was like a binder. And it had pictures of girls who were supposed to represent different seasons. And I can see in my mind's eye the spring and the autumn girl and like going back and forth. And cause I was pretty sure I wasn't a winter or a summer. Although now that I think about it, maybe I actually am and just didn't know it, but I was going back and forth. Like, I don't know, am I spring or am I autumn? And then it would give you the colors you were supposed to wear and the colors you weren't supposed to wear based on your type. Yes. Um, so what do you give any credence to this whole idea of having a certain color sort of profile? Well, <laughs> And did you yeah. ever do the thing where you looked at your wrist and tried to figure out whether you had oh, yellow yeah. or oh, blue undertones? We would drape swaths of, <laughs> you know, things across our, you know, chest and like look at ourselves in the mirror and be like, oh, maybe autumn. Nope. Nope. Spring. <laughs> um, so, yes. I And my mom, my mom, I swear to God, she still talks about it to this day. She's like, if you find that in an ice pink, Shayna, but it has to be an ice pink because I'm a winter, you know? Hilarious. So, yes. Um, but you know, I I don't know whether she nailed it on the color me beautiful woman nailed it on every single one of those profiles. Um, but the idea that there is a profile is definitely, I I think is definitely true. Okay. So, um, if you want to talk in color me beautiful terms, um, one thing I have learned (laughs) is that, um, like, cause I, I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty fair skinned. I burn easily. And so for me, uh, having colors that are clear, not muted, um, is, will always look better. So for example, like a mustard yellow is terrible, 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 but a nice clear yellow I can pull off, even though yellow is probably not a good example to use, but you know what I mean? So that's really interesting because, um, first of all, you just perfectly set up our listener call for the day, um, which is about having a pale skin, and I'll get to that in just a second. But after, as you're answering the question, Shana, I would love for you to kind of address whether there are different kinds of pale skin, because I have pale skin too, and so I would have thought that certain kinds of colors wouldn't look great on me. For example, mustard yellow, but I just happened to buy a mustard-colored um sweater a few years ago and I have gotten more compliments on the way I look in that sweater than probably any other color including blue which is always a big one because it makes my eyes look really blue that for whatever reason 
on my version of pale skin, which isn't like a porcelain, it's more kind of, I don't want to say ruddy. That's just a very unflattering term. <laughs> but just keep that in mind when you're answering Sarah's question, um, which we're going to go to right now. Hi, Shana and Megan. This is Sarah. Thanks so much for taking my call. Shana, here is my question for you. Um, first of all, I live in Arizona where it's already going to be over 95 degrees today. So we're in full on summer wardrobe here. Um, and my question is about how to dress for summer when you have very fair skin. I am fair skinned. I don't tan really easily. I tend to burn first. So, you know, I wear sunscreen and I never get super brown, even though I do live in Arizona. Um, but I feel like a lot of the bold colors and some of the looks for summer um, don't look great with fair skin. So assuming I'm never going to be tan and I'm always going to look kind of fair, um, are there any tips or tricks or strategies for dressing in summer looks um, when you have paler skin um, kind of to avoid that pasty white look? Um, I would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks so much. Sarah, thanks for, um, thanks for calling in. Um... That, it, it is tough to be a porcelain, pale-skinned girl in the summer. Um, there's no doubt. Especially with, um, in the last few seasons, uh, summer has not just meant bright colors, but it's been like neon colors, and those always seem to look best with a tan. Um, so I have, I have a couple thoughts for you. Um, one is that um, you could try leaving the bright colors to accessories. I think someone with pale skin um, carrying a bright bag, that's always a, an easy one, or bright sandals even would be fine. Um, bright pedicure, manicure, um, some statement bracelets, the arm party that we've talked about before, Megan. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, an arm party is just a fancy fashion blogger way of saying lots of bracelets. Yes. But it, it sounds a lot more fun. It does sound a lot more fun. So I, I think if you I think if you look for um, pops of color in your accessories or, ooh, because um, neon is like my favorite thing in the whole world and it looks so terrible on me. Um, but I've seen in the summer they will often have like a straw bag um, with that's been trimmed in like a neon leather trim. And so that's – or you could do a belt. Like a neon belt would be a really cute way to dress up, you know, some cutoff – jean shorts or something like that. Um, and, and the thing that I do like about neon especially is it seems to pair really well with um, some blush tones or pastels. Like I actually really like the whole like blush pink with like a pop of like orange neon or yellow neon or something like that. Like I think those colors go really well together. And blush tones on pale skin is just romantic and beautiful. So I don't know. I'd like to actually give some advice about what not to do when you have really pale skin. Don't right. go and get yourself spray tanned a couple of days before you have a big event because you'll <laughs> learn that there are certain people who don't look good in a tan and you might just be one of them. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I always thought that I having, so you know, growing up, I was never allowed to go tanning like all the other girls in, in high school, I guess not growing up, but in high school, I was bitter about that because I was so pale, so, so, so pale. And I always dreamed that if I just could have a tan, I would just look so much better. And I actually, before a conference a few years ago, just I had like a gift certificate to a local spa kind of place and decided to get myself spray tan. And I asked them to do the lightest color available, and they did. And it, the color looked fantastic. It didn't look orange, 
But if if you had like taken somebody else and put that color on them, it would have been fantastic. But on me, it was bizarre. It's the only yes. way I can put it. So now I know I'm not supposed to tried, be. Tanned. Have you ever tried those like gradual tanners? They're just like lotion with just like a hint. Oh yeah, and I've done those, and those are fine because really, what I end up with is sort of like what I would get if I were to like lay out all all you know summer with no sunscreen, and and that looks yes. good. But yeah. it was just this idea that I could have even a very natural bronze, and it wasn't even that bronze, honestly. It just wasn't right on me. Yeah. <laughs> it just was really, really wrong. So, yeah, I think the gradual ones are great. And I, I do use those um, definitely in the summer. So uh, didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I just was thinking about it. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, so Shana, let's go back to my question. Um, I think, you know, I, I think that when you're talking like something where, like, and I've never met you in person, but just looking at your coloring and what I can see from your photos, it seems like you really do have that true porcelain skin. Like it's like light and then you've got the sort of darker hair to set it off. I feel like what I have is more of a, like, like a redheaded, I mean, even though I'm not a super true redhead, I don't think I have more of that sort of fair skin. And I think it's different dressing that. Oh, it, it, it definitely is different. It definitely is different. So I mean, like, how do, how do you know which version you are? Do you go back to the book? Is it all about color me beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, it's not a bad place to start. <laughs> all right. I have to, I'm Googling this right now because I got to know if it still exists in any, in any form. It's, it's apparently been Googled a lot because it came up. Oh well, I, my gosh. Is it still in print? Well, it, there's a website. Well, there you go. You know, I, I, okay, go ahead. Sorry, I'm just like, my mind is blown. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't believe we're talking about this. But I, think, I think there's some polarizing colors that you could look at. Like mustard yellow is a really good one. Because typically if you look good in mustard yellow, you're probably going to look good in some of the more like, uh, I, I call them muddier colors. And that sounds horrible because they're beautiful. But like, you know, like the browns and the... Mm-hmm. The, the, like the ones that have a little bit of yellow in them, you know, like maybe yeah. an orangey or red, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And if you don't look good in mustard yellow, then I would start trying really clear colors. Okay. So give me an example of what you think of as a clear color. Um, so let, let's talk about, um, let's talk about the color green. Okay. So cool. if you think about a spring green or a grass green that is a very true green. There's not, it's just blue and it's yellow in equal proportion and you just have green. Okay. That to me is a very clear color. Oh, okay. Now, if you start to add a little bit of brown to that green color and you get more of like a forest or a hunter, Mm -hmm. I I think that's starting to get um, more of a muddier Color. Yeah, see, I would totally go with the the hunter, or I mean, I'm not sure I would actually go for hunter, but when I'm thinking about colors that would look good on me, a color that's just very basic, I guess, is just sort of bl- it just doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, I look awful in mint or anything pastel. Ugh. And and that was my next. Is it like <laughs> and then picture that color having white added to it, and then you can kind of figure yeah. out if you're a pastel person. And I think there's a big difference though between the colors that you like and the colors you look good in. Right. Because I. I love army green. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, the army green parka. I wear it all the time. It's not my best color, but I like it too much, so I don't care. So Yeah, it's so funny because I have actually a, like an army green barn jackety thing that I look great in. And I also have like a gunmetal sort of gray color that also looks really – and I'm always surprised when colors like that look good on me because I see a color like that and I think, oh, it's kind of 
blah, and it's not going to, you know, bring out my color. And then it does. And it surprises me. I'm always taken aback when something like that looks good. Yeah. And I, I think another um, another thing to sort of help figure out is, you know, the color gray. Mm-hmm. Um, there are grays that have white undertones, and then there are grays that are really creamy. Okay. And so the creamy grays, I don't look good in. I need the more of the white-based grays. All right. Okay. So going by the Color Me Beautiful slash Shana <laughs> school <laughs> of thought, it seems like then it's maybe not so much your skin shade that matters because you could also be darker skinned and have the same rule apply to you. So if you were, you know, if you had a darker skin that was more, um, you know, look more olive tone, some, a different group is going to look good of colors is going to look good on you than if you have a darker skin, that's a different tone. So like, how do you, how do you know, how do you know, Shannon, besides trying the color on, I guess maybe that's the, yeah. I mean, that that's, that's, that's the best way to do it. I mean, I would go to I'm trying to think. Like, go to um, like J. Crew always stocks up for summer, and they have like that T-shirt line, and there's like mm-hmm. a billion different T-shirts in various colors. I would just go into the dressing room with one of each, and try them on. Mm-hmm. Especially J. Crew, where they give you a little bottle of water when you go into the dressing room. It's kind of nice, okay. <laughs> so you can hang out there all day if you need to. <laughs> that must be a new thing because the last time I was at J. Crew, I did not get any water, but it's been a while. And actually, it was the outlet store, and I'm sure they probably don't treat you quite as well there. <laughs> They're like, I'm sorry, no bottles of water for you, bargain hunter. <laughs> okay, so let me move on to another another part of the Color Me Beautiful slash 80s, 90s um, <laughs> method of determining your color type or your, you know, what kinds of colors you should be wearing is this whole, like, undertone in the wrist thing. I feel like that was a scam. I have never been able to – because I have two huge blue veins running right through my wrist – so I'd be like, blue, I see blue. But now that I think about it, it's probably actually more of a yellow. I don't know. I'm looking right now and I'm not picking I am up too. on much. I am too. <laughs> no, you're right, because you get distracted by the blue veins. Right. Um, I mean, I think I think there's something to be said for it. I mean, I know makeup artists always talk about the same thing. Oh, like you have blue undertones in your skin or, you know, but. um. And I think if you have truly olive skin, the yellow undertone becomes apparent. Yeah, it's very obvious. But I just, if you're going to try to determine what colors to wear, just looking at your wrist, I think it, unless, I think it's harder to do it that way. Yeah. It's not obvious. Yeah. I mean, and there are so many shades of, even within that, I have to imagine within the undertones, it's like, is it a super strong undertone, like an olive skin, or is it sort of neutral, you know? Can it look different in different lights or with different, if your hair color is different or whatever, so. Right. Doesn't seem I like think if you if you're you know if you're in the room with a bunch of other people and you guys all compare, then I think you can probably start to go, oh, that looks more olive, that looks more bluish undertone. But if you're just looking at your wrist, you know, sitting in your room by yourself, I think it's really <laughs> <tough. laughs> well. Little do you know how much time I've spent sitting in my room by myself looking at my wrist. Hey, even, you know, in seventh grade, I did not have a lot of friends, and uh, it was a lonely time for me, and that was when I discovered the Color Me Beautiful. <laughs> this whole thing has just turned into a big ad for Color Me Beautiful, which is cracking me up. I'm actually looking at their website right now because I have to tell you, they have a whole line of products. I don't even remember them having products when, no. I guess that was always the thing. They have beauty consultants. I was going to say, I remember that you could hire someone to come and drape you. It was called a draping. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, like they had like the pieces of cloth, right? In different colors. Yes. 
Yes. Wow. Yes. Oh my gosh, what a walk down memory lane. <laughs> okay, so I guess if you know, not we've got way off track here, but I don't care because this is too funny. Um, if we had to kind of summarize, though, it's really you can't know until you try the clothes on, right? I mean, that's really that's basically so. it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I but I I think um, once you once you have some hints then they can steer you one way or another like mustard yellow or true yellow yeah um army green or spring green like i think you know once you've looked at a couple of those you could sort of continue down that path like the colors that are a little bit more muted look better on me or the colors that are a little more clear look better on me Mm -hmm. or even like cream versus white like if you're a white person i would suggest looking more into the clear colors if you're a cream person then i would suggest looking more into the like the muted colors Okay. Um, now, do you ever shop online? Do you do much of your, is that a serious question? I know. Okay. <laughs> do you do much of your, well, because I know not everyone likes to purchase clothes online. Like some people don't enjoy oh, gosh. that experience. Yeah. That's where I, that's where I do probably most of my shopping. Okay. So do you ever find that sometimes the color that's represented on the site is not the actual shade or the tone that you get when you, when it comes to your house, comes to your house? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. That happens a lot. So it's not foolproof. No, it definitely is not. Okay. Definitely not but it's still, it's, it's good to have an idea. And I, you know, one thing that I think for myself, um, I've learned over the years is that like, if a color doesn't look good on me, um, I should not hope it's going to look good on me next year. <laughs> Cause I found, you know, as trends kind of come and go. So like the pastels were big, I want to say a few years ago, but I, I get very confused about when things were in, but I feel like maybe a couple of years ago, there's, there's this particular shade of aqua blue. It's like a light aqua yeah. and my eyes are almost an aqua sometimes, like depending on what light you're looking at them in. So I thought, sure. Oh, this is going to look just like my eyes. No, it looks nothing like my eyes. It makes my skin look <laughs> like so washed out and awful. I just can't even believe it. But yet I would still gravitate toward that color over and over and keep trying it. I don't know what I was thinking. I know. It's like me with neon. Like I'm not going to look better in neon with a tan. Right. <laughs> like, right. Like I, I really, really, I mean, if you're a neon wearing kind of person, a tan does help. Right. And so I keep thinking, but see, this is the trick. I keep thinking like, oh, I just need to be tanner. And right. then that neon bikini will look good. But I don't, I think it's time to face face reality here. Now, what about your hair color? Do you keep the same hair color or do you dye it? Oh gosh. I've been dyeing my hair for years and years and years. I barely, oh no, actually I do know what my real hair color is because it just grew back in, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I dye it. It, as you, I don't know, it turned mousy. So, so my, you have, you, you tend toward more like an ashy kind of a color. Yes. I okay. Think, yes. Yes. So they, they warm it up a little. They do yeah. all kinds of stuff. For me, I have to, and I dye my own hair because I'm always, I always kind of stick in the same color range. But it's funny because I always will put, um, an, you know, a, a, an ash tone on it just to bring down the red a little bit, and oh, okay. then it just goes right back. But if I don't, if I go with a neutral or with a warm shade, I'll end up so brassy <laughs> that yes. it's ridiculous. So I almost have to like take it in the other direction, and yes. then you know hope that when it kind of fades out, it, it meets somewhere in the middle. You know, and the color thing too, I mean, I think lipstick is another area that you have to be careful with color. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. you know, if you're, if you wear lipstick with like, it has a lot of brown undertones and it looks good. Cause I mean, gosh, it, I, if I put lipstick on my face with, that has brown undertones, it looks like I've smeared chocolate all over my mouth. 
or like dirt. Like, <laughs> like I, I'm dirty. Like I look dirty. That is hilarious. Oh, it's awful. Okay, but- so I know that you really like bright reds, and yes. I'm the kind of person where if I wear something that's too like pink or too. Yeah, it's all becoming clear to me now. I am a spring. No, I'm a spring. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Then I'm an autumn. I'm an autumn. I don't know. I have to read the book again. Um, I think I actually am an autumn. But if I wear something that's got too much pink or too, I guess, too much blue or clearness to it, it's like too much of a true red, I feel like I look like a little girl playing dress up. <laughs> but if and I, I wear something that's got some brown to it, it, it looks really good. Yeah, I'm the exact opposite. We I look can, dirty. We cannot exist in the same <laughs> in the same uh, section of the binder. <laughs> well, okay, we have to wrap this up, but um, this is really fun. I'm going to totally link to Color Me Beautiful, and I'm going to try to find the actual, like a picture at least, of the actual binder that I'm sure you and I both had. Oh, yeah. Um, I can see the girl, the spring girl right now. She had like a very peach. Didn't she have like <laughs> kind of a peach lipstick on? And she was sort of pale and freckled. Oh, I'm gonna fi- I'm finding it, and then we're gonna laugh. <laughs> but I'll post that because that's too funny. And did we talk about any resources in today's show? I don't remember that I should link to. I'll go back and listen in our color me beautiful info. <laughs> our color me beautiful ad. I promise neither one of us is a sales consultant for color me beautiful, nor are we about to sign up. But you know what? I could be convinced, perhaps. So. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, this has been fun, Shana. I will link to all your stuff, obviously in the show notes, like always. And, um, thanks so much for coming on. Oh my gosh, Megan. Always so much fun. And for all you listeners at home, just, you know, call yourselves beautiful. It's really, it's really (laughs) worth it (laughs) till next time. Okay. Thanks Shana for being on the show again, always a delight and as usual, very fun. Now I'm going to get into our featured interview for today, Nikki McGonigal. I talked a little bit about her in the intro of the show, but I want to give some more detail because she's got a really fascinating career path. Um, She started off as just having a little craft blog, which eventually led to her being on the TLC show Craft Wars and competing there. And then um, she now teaches online classes and has a lot of free resources for beginning crafters um, and up. So, so fun talking with Nikki. And we talk a little bit about the process of how she went from having this small craft blog to actually creating a career out of it to how she actually keeps her craft supplies, uh, organized with three little kids and what it was like being behind the scenes on the TLC show craft wars. So here's my interview with Nikki McGonigal from Nikki in stitches, craft Hi, Nikki. So glad to have you on the show. Hi, Megan. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm really excited to talk to Nikki today because I want to say, Nikki, that you might be the first um, crafter I've had on the show and also definitely the first person who is is making a living at this and, and has done this as a career. So I would love for you to kind of share. I know that you um, said on your blog that you've always been a crafter and watched your your mother and your grandmother crafting um, throughout your childhood. But did you look at this as something that was going to be a career for you? And if not, like how did this kind of process all happen for you? Never. <laughs> Never is the short answer. Um, I've always been a crafter. Um, and like you said, I kind of like grew up with it. So it's in my genes. And um, I just found myself in a new location. My husband and I had moved across the country. Um, and I was looking for something to do. We had just relocated in Arizona. 
crafty me. You should start a craft blog. And I did it only really because he pushed me to do it. I was nervous about putting myself out there. Um, and I never, ever dreamt that it would turn into this this business, this, that's, um, this career, you're right. It is a career and it's completely, um, grown into something that I never thought would at this, this broad of a spectrum. I mean, I feel like I've grown from a little blog to covering so many areas of not only social media and different craft mediums, but just, it's brought so many different experiences to me. Um, I never, ever dreamt that it would come this far. <laughs> I, it's so funny because I hear that uh, different story, but that same sentiment so often from people. I feel like we all kind of <clears throat> people who are blogging right now and maybe not getting started right now, but we're getting started, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago mm-hmm. it was a very golden time where you could really come in with no, you know, no intention or even dream of having this happen. And then suddenly this little blog, like you said, grows into something much bigger. So how did, when did you know, like, when did you realize that was starting to happen? Um, I started, um, let me think I started with the first like paid things that I started to do were, um, like kits that, um, based off of projects that I did on the site. So someone would say like, I love the project that you just did, but I can't find all the supplies. And rather than sending them out to, you know, four or five different locations to gather everything, it kind of just made sense to say, I'll have everything for you and you can buy it right from me. And so that's where it started. Um, and then, um, from there now it's grown and it's like the typical things like I, you know, I've become an affiliate. And so it's kind of, um, it's kind of twofold. So, um, it grew into a business both on the craft side and also both on the blogging side, Mm, which I think is interesting how both aspects of, um, what I do have kind of grown, but separately. Right. And do you find that that's changing? You know, we're in different niches, and I think things have changed a lot over the last few years. Are you finding that things are changing as well in the craft blogger space as far as, you know, who's reading and how you're getting people to your site and all those different things? Yes, absolutely. Um, It's interesting. I, I... Because I cover such a broad range of craft mediums, I get a lot of different people that come to the site, a lot of different age ranges, a lot of different um, skill levels. But it definitely um, kind of like ebbs and flows with, you know, what is trending, what people are really looking at, um, what mediums they're focusing on. And it's kind of interesting to see how it changes every few months, what seems to be what's drawing them into the site. I have to imagine that, you know, Pinterest is probably driving trends in such a different way. Um, just because people, you know, I feel like myself, I'm, I've almost someone who I'm interested in crafts. I like looking at them. I like dreaming about doing them, <laughs> but I've, I've spent the last 16 years raising, you know, a house full of small children. So it's just not been something I've really delved into as much as I would have liked, but it used to be, you know, I didn't, the way I guess that I would find out about like an average person like me would find out about a craft trend is maybe seeing something in a magazine and you just weren't, you weren't really inundated with it all the right. time. And now I, I feel like everyone's kind of an expert in a way that they didn't used to be because you get on Pinterest and you're like, oh, okay, you know, rainbow cakes are in or whatever, (laughs) whatever the thing is, because you see it over and over and over. So that must add a lot of pressure to you to stay ahead. It does. And it's, you know, like it, you know, I think to myself, okay, when I'm actually doing a project or when I'm photographing it along the way, you know, okay, are these, are these Pinterest worthy pictures? Are Mm -hmm. these going to draw people's attention when I put them up? I mean, it definitely plays a big part of it. Yes. But there must be some old standbys, I figure, too. 
Like the things that people are always going to be interested in doing or trying. Do you think that that's true? Yeah. Everyone knits, everyone crochets. (laughs) (laughs) Yarn projects are always a good staple. People always come back to them. Um, And sewing projects. Sewing projects are either love it or hate hate it, but the people that love it really, really Really love love it. it. Mm -hmm. So um, those are easy ones to fall back on too. And you sew as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw on your site somewhere you said that you're a seamstress at heart or something like that. I don't remember what you said exactly. Yeah. My yes. favorite place to be is behind the wheel of my sewing machine. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. So talk a little bit about, okay, so you, you, do you sell your products as well as sell the instructions and sort of also make those available to readers or how does this all work? You have an Etsy shop, correct? Um, I did. Um, okay. The business has changed so much that I've since um, closed the Etsy shop. So okay. it's kind of funny how things have changed. Like I started off with the kits, like I was saying, mm-hmm. um, and things have changed so much. So now I pretty much run two sites. There is NikkiInStitches.com where you can get free tutorials for our crafts ranging from every medium you could possibly think of um, from the ones we mentioned you know, sewing, yarn arts, things like that to fun home decor projects, projects to make with your kids, all that kind of stuff. Um, And so I really wanted that foundation to stay free and stay um, a place where people could just come and be inspired. So I've left that. And then I've created a separate site called NikkiInStitchesCraftAcademy.com. And that's where I now teach online classes. So um, I've kind of moved away from the physical product sales Mm -hmm. and moved into um, just teaching online classes, which is actually what I went to school for a lifetime ago (laughs) to be be a math teacher. So I'm kind of back in the classroom just um, with a different curriculum this time around. So you teach those, um, they're sort of like video seminars, right? You teach them on on Spreecast? Is that the, okay. So talk about how that would work for somebody who might want to take a class. It's fun. So we do a combination of pre-recorded and live classes. So this way you get a little bit of everything. And the pre-recorded aspect is afraid they're not going to be able to keep up with a timeline because everything that's pre-recorded, you can come back to and watch as often as you'd like. Um, So we do pre-recorded videos and we do um, PDFs that you can um, print out or just have open on your computer as a reference as you're working. And then um, we do monthly live classes too, where we kind of all just come together and um, review whatever we did. People can ask questions. You can actually watch me craft, which is always fun. Um, So I have a camera that comes right over my shoulder and you can actually see me work on the project and you can do it um, with me in real time if you'd like to. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. So that's Nikki Institches Craft Academy.com. That's it. And it's mm-hmm. Nikki with two K's and an I, just because I know there's 8 million ways to spell Nikki. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just as there are 8 million ways to spell Megan. So I always yes. have to uh, point that out. Yeah. Okay. So a few years ago, you were on the TLC show Craft Wars. And I would love, I know that people always are so intrigued by how the behind the scenes um, process of all that kind of a thing works. So it's a, it was a contest show, like a reality contest show, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So tell us about this. How did they find you? You know, what did it feel like when you found out you were going to go to this show? And then just describe this process for us. 
it was um, such a roller coaster. So I had seen a um, just an ad on what turned out to be one of the producer of the show's Facebook page. At the time, I had no idea she was even connected to the show. And she just had posted something about um, this crafting reality show looking for contestants. And completely on a whim, I threw my name out there and sent in, um, I think we had to send in a few sample projects and a bio um, and then from there, if they liked just that little bit of information, we went to a phone interview and I had to start sending in videos of me actually crafting. Um, and so it was so exciting, but also um, I feel like people in that industry, um, they kind of poo-poo the excitement for the people that are um, auditioning for the show. Oh, okay. So, you know, they don't get that same sense of urgency when you're like checking your email every day <laughs> to see if you made it or not. And, right. you know, waiting for the phone to ring for them. This is like everyday occurrence. So, you know, they don't, they don't feel that same craziness that you feel when you're, when you're waiting to find out if you made it. Right. Um, and then I got to bring um, an assistant, my friend Jen. Um, she came with me, and it was very. When we finally went out to LA, it was very um, uh, like under the cover of darkness. We had to turn <laughs> off our cell phones, and if we were on Facebook, we weren't allowed to use the uh, location. You know how oh, sometimes wow. yeah. like you are. Um, and they were like really on top of that. They didn't want anyone to know that we were there. So it was very exciting. Um, but also, you know, very, we couldn't really tell anybody how exciting right. it was. I mean, you know, we had told our husbands and for me, my, my kids were, I only had two at the time, but they were little. And so I had to arrange babysitting and help um, while I was gone for four days in LA. So those were like the only people that I could tell. And so it was really exciting. And then just being there and the whole, the whole recording of the show. And it was, um, it's, it's insane. It's completely insane. <laughs> you have cameras, um, a lot of cameras around you all the time. So, um, you know, even if you weren't on a deadline, uh, you know, a clock counting down huge numbers next to you that you can see, it would still be stressful with all the cameras and stuff around you. So watching the clock count down at the same time, it's, um, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And you were there for four days. So how many of those days were you actually competing? One really, really long. Okay. <laughs> like, I think we had to be on set by 4, 4.30. Wow. Um, and we didn't get back to our hotel room that night, probably until about 2 the next morning. Wow. So. And and how many different people or teams did you compete against? There were three teams. Okay. Um, and the first round was a smaller, um, we had to make, our, our episode's theme was um, Thanksgiving. Okay. So... The first round, we had one hour to create a wine rack from footballs, silverware, uh, tin pie plates, and acorns. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we made it through that round. And then we had five hours to create a complete Thanksgiving tablescape and mantelscape out of um, bathroom supplies. Wow. So okay. everything from like toilet seats and... Um, <laughs> plungers <laughs> shower curtains and piping and um yeah it was yeah I hope you have picture you you have to have some pictures of your final products right because I would love there to are some, 
Okay. Yes, there are some up on the um, on Nikki and Stitches. You can search for them okay. there. And, um, our episode is still on uh, iTunes, I think, too. So all right, great. Uh, I'll include there. I'll include some photos, uh, links to those photos in the in the show notes as well, because I know people are going to want to see those. That's so funny. So <laughs> so five hours. You're making this, of course, on our end. You know, as as a viewer, it's condensed down to probably what an hour total, half an yes. hour total, something like mm-hmm. that. So yeah, that really, it really is. We're getting the very um, abbreviated version when we're watching these reality shows of what's actually going on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and probably and tons of waiting around time and setting up time and all of that in between, which yeah. really just means um, time for you to sit there and stew and stress about, you know, what's going to happen, what's waiting for you on the other right. side. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now how did your team do? We came in second place. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. And you you probably knew that, you know, maybe months, weeks at least before you could tell anyone, right? I mean, how long was it between the time you taped and the time the show aired? Yeah, we taped in April, I want to say. Uh-huh. And our episode aired, uh, I think, the first week in August. Oh, my goodness. That's yeah. torture. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was a long wait. Everyone yeah. was asking, and come on, I won't tell anybody. And, <laughs> but we were good. We didn't yeah. let any hints out, nothing, mainly because we wanted everyone to be surprised yeah. and, you know, be able to see. And it was great to watch other people's reactions as you were watching the show. Right. You know, like watch it with people and see how they were reacting to what was happening because you knew what was coming, you know. So you were like anticipating everyone's shock or surprise or excitement. So it was fun. So would you do it again? And I mean, I know that maybe not that particular show, but would you do something like that again? It's so hard to say. (laughs) Um, My heart probably says no. But yeah. my head says yes. My right. head says yes because it was a great experience for me. It was a great experience for Nikki and Stitches. But my heart knows that it was so stressful right. and such a roller coaster that I don't know if I would want to do it again. <laughs> yeah, it is one of those things where it's like, you know, and, and being in this business, uh, we get these opportunities where it's it's like, oh, this could really be something big. This could really be good for what I, you know, for my career and what I do. But at the same time, ugh, do I want to get on that plane? <laughs> do I want to leave my kids? Do I want to, you know, deal with being awake for 22 hours or whatever it is? So yeah, yeah mm-hmm. totally understand that. <laughs> yeah. So that was a few years ago, right? That was in, what year was that? Um, that was in 2012, I want to okay. say. Yeah. And did yeah. you find, did, did it bring you a lot of new um, attention that you hadn't gotten before or new readers or did you find that it made an impact that way? It definitely did. It yeah. did. I definitely found um, a lot more visits to the blog, a lot more subscribers to the blog um, and a lot more Facebook traffic too. Okay, cool. So, well, you know, let's, let's shift gears a little bit because um, you've got, you've got three children then, is that right? Yes. What mm-hmm. are their ages? They are six four and almost 10 months. Okay. So you are in the thick of it. Um, that's what I always like to tell Sarah, uh, is our mutual friend, which is how we got connected. And I always tell her you're in the thick of it, honey. <laughs> you oh, are I in know. the trenches and it's been a while <laughs> since I've been there, but I do remember that, what that was like. And, you know, I think that a lot of people listening, um, maybe feel the way I do. And I, I've, I've written about this a few times, how I always kind of thought of myself as somebody who would be more, artistic or more creative in more of a hands-on kind of a way. Um, and then had kids and was like, Ugh, like, how am I going to do this? How, where am I going to put the stuff that they're not crawling through it? And now this is your job. So 
that does change things for you a little bit, but maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe you remember what it was like when you were just getting started um, and this wasn't your job. And how did you make time to do this? How did you keep things organized? How did you even just get started on, on projects when you didn't know what you were doing and felt overwhelmed by it or, or didn't even know what you needed? Um, it's definitely hard, um, just to start in general and then throw in the kids into the mix. Absolutely. Um, and so I kind of have a couple really good one in particular, um, a really good, um, kind of way that I tackle projects. So I mean, just the nature of what we do, I will have three or four big projects going at a time and, um, to keep everything organized. And like you said, to keep my kids out of it, um, (laughs) I've created this, uh, it's like a bag system. So I have a bag or sometimes a box. A lot of times it's just like a giant Tupperware box that's closable. And I will keep everything in there that I could possibly need for that project. Even if it means if I have four projects going and I have like four pairs of scissors in every single one. Mm. That's totally fine with me to have that because I can not only close everything up and seal it and then it's, you know, my kids are not going to get into it, but it's also very grab and go because at this point I work um, during nap time (laughs) and you never know how long nap time is really going to be sometimes. So it's nice that I can just grab it and know I'm going to have everything. I'm not going to need to make three trips back upstairs to my office to grab the stuff that I forgot to get. Everything's right there. I can get right to work. And then when the baby wakes up, toss it all back in that Tupperware container or that bag and just close it up and come back to it later. What a great tip. Okay. So you, so basically what this is, even if it means you have multiple copies of different things, scissors or thread or whatever it is, every, every project is its own contained unit. I love that because I'm always the person who can't find scissors. (laughs) You know, if I had a pair of scissors out, I swear somebody would like, if they were just in a, you know, a craft area, like in a jar or something, somebody would make off with those scissors and I'd find them under one of the kids' beds or something. I mean, I just, (laughs) yeah. So that is so genius. Okay. So I think you maybe had another one to share. So please do. Um, well, that's a big one. And then the other one is I really try hard to, um, you know, the way that I can squeeze in some more time Mm -hmm. around nap time is to work with the kids. And so I save projects that I know are maybe not kid friendly, but at least the most kid friendly to do when they're with me. So, you know, we will just set up shop um, at the kitchen table and they have their own craft bag full of all kid safe supplies and I'll have my craft bag and we'll just set up shop at the table. And this way I can work on my project, but also jump in and help them along the way. Um, a lot of times what they really like is if they see us using some similar supplies. So if I have a couple extra pieces of paper that I'm using for a project, you know, I'll put that in their craft bag too. So they feel like they're doing the same thing as mom, but we're getting um, things accomplished at the same time that, you know, using different supplies. Okay. And what is your, I mean, you said the kitchen table when you're with your kids, when you're not with your kids, where is your craft space? Well, wherever you happen to be. (laughs) Um, right now I work out of a large walk-in closet from our bedroom. (laughs) Very, um, glamorous, the lifestyle that I lead. Um, but we are moving next week actually. And in the new house, I will have, uh, half of the basement that I can kind of close off so that, and that's the key thing is that, 
you need an area that you can like close off because a right. lot of the, the supplies I use aren't kid friendly. Right, right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so let's talk about supplies here. This is something that for me, and maybe again, it's the organization or lack thereof. Um, I used to go hang out in craft stores a lot and I would find that I would just kind of get there and then mentally shut down <laughs> because it's hard. It's, like it's huge. Right? <laughs> it, yeah. And I would wander around and be like, Oh, it's all so pretty. I just want all of it. And maybe the problem was not going with the good enough plan. I was wanting to be inspired by the supplies and I was, but not in any kind of way that led me, you know, toward any end. Right. It was just like total <laughs> overwhelm. So how do you do that? How do you handle buying supplies? Well, I'm the same way. I mean, if you could see my craft room, you, you would see that I um, give in frequently to the <laughs> urge to just buy everything. Right. Um, but I really try to go in there, not just with like a plan, like, okay, I'm going to make this, but I try to go in saying, I'm going to make this with this color palette mm, okay. or um, with this kind of um, theme in mind. And that helps, especially the color palette, because right away I can get rid of everything that's not in that palette and really just start to look at what things work together inside the colors that I'm trying to work with. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. A lot of times when I make a project, I'm not exactly sure where it's going to go, but I kind of have an idea of at least what color scheme it's going to be. So yeah. And, and that actually leads me to another interesting question. I mean, you must have, especially because you do this as your job. So it's not even like you, you know, just think to yourself, oh, I want a necklace because I want to wear a necklace. <laughs> I'm going to make a <laughs> necklace. You're, you're always thinking about things you, that you want to be making to highlight on your, on your blog and on, in your classes. So what do you do with it all? I mean, I know you can't possibly have places in your house to display everything. <laughs> My husband would tell you that we surprisingly don't live in a very homemade home, but I don't think he realizes how much I make. When I sit there and I point out all the things around the room that I have had a hand in, he's like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe maybe that's a little better. (laughs) But I tend to give a lot away. So, um, yeah, like if I, just for example, a couple weeks ago on... um, Inside one of my classes, we made these really cute rain boots and we put stickers on the rain boots that would personalize them for your child, their name, like that. And I couldn't find rain boots I loved. So a friend of mine was like, oh, I just saw them here, you know, go pick them up. And so I picked them up there. She was right. They were there. I put the sticker on them for her son and ended up giving them to her for him. Oh, that's Um, nice. Thanks. (laughs) But it's just, you're right. There's just too much, um, there's too much to keep or like I used to try to keep it and kind of categorize it in case I ever wanted to come back to it. But it just started to be too much that um, it was taking up a lot of room and wasn't really, didn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. Now are most of the projects that you work on, and this is probably a difficult question to, you know, generalize in this way, but are most of these things that you can do relatively quickly in an afternoon or a week, or do you have projects that that kind of go on for months? I mean, how, how, what is the timeframe you're looking on at for some of the projects that you like to do? I try to keep things pretty short for people. Okay. Um, most of them are a day project. Okay. Um, and if for some reason it was a project um, that you needed some background info for, you know, like some some foundations of sewing or something like that, I make sure that that's already on the site too. So you can refer back to that. Um, I don't like to say, you know, I don't like to leave out people who might not have that foundation knowledge. Mm-hmm. So it's somewhere that you can find on the site. Do you find that now that you're doing this sort of with an audience in mind that the projects that maybe you would be 
doing for yourself are getting backburnered or do you still find a place to make <laughs> make time that's, for those? That's without doubt. I have, I'm looking at a pile of stuff in my craft room right now. That's for me that I'm making for myself yeah. that I haven't touched in six months. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah, my students definitely, and my readers definitely drive where we go. Uh huh. Um, which is fine because a lot of times it leads me to areas that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone myself. And so I, you know, I like that, that they kind of push me too to, um, to see, you know, what I can do and what I can make. So, so earlier you said that, you know, on your, on your site and also in the classes that you teach, you cover pretty much every kind of medium, every kind of material. So just give us an example of a few different kinds of projects you're working on now, or will be working on, or just finished up so we can kind of get an idea of the breadth. Sure. Um, well, the classes that I teach right now, we have one main class that deals with um, the silhouette, which is a cutting system. Okay. So um, that's the only class that's currently open for enrollment. And that one, um, we're covering a lot of paper crafts right now um, and a lot of cards. Um, we're doing actually some sewing with your cutting system, which a lot of people um, I think would be pretty interested in because when you think of a die cutter, you don't often think of fabric. Um, so wait, describe that for me. So how would, give me an example of how this would look. So like your die cut into a card, for example, and then, you know, weave through the holes or what do you describe this? (laughs) I'm a little confused. Yes and no. Okay. Um, So the, the die, it's an electronic die cutter. Okay. So it'll cut everything, um, from paper and cardstock to fabric. So you could absolutely, actually, that's the project that's coming next week is that you can cut a design out of paper. And then, like you said, weave ribbon or something Mm -hmm. through it, but it will actually cut fabric that you can then sew with sewing machine. So it's a nice way to get really detailed um, shapes cut out of your fabric. You know, if you cut them by hand, they don't tend to, they never look as polished and finished. Um, if you cut them with the electronic cutter, then you get really nice, crisp, clean, perfectly cut designs. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to wrap my brain around what it would look like. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, you know, I'm thinking back to like sewing class in eighth grade when, um, gosh, I, I really wanted to love sewing, but, um, darts and I didn't. Oh my goodness. That's not easy. Did, no. And I, I don't know how I ended up with a project with darts in it for my eighth grade sewing project. <laughs> I don't think they were paying very close attention. You know, we just, we went to, um, Joanne's and they just kind of let us go crazy with the pat, you know, with the pattern area. And I thought, I think I wanted to make like a circular skirt or something. And it just ended up being, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't that fun. But so when I think of sewing, I kind of think of that sort of torture, not like fun fabric die cutting. That sounds a lot more fun. (laughs) And see, it's funny that you say that because for me, you know, going back to when we talked about what I can do for myself versus what I do for the sites and for Mm -hmm. my students, I would love to be able to sew more garments for myself. Mm -hmm. I just don't have time because that doesn't seem to be where everyone wants to go right now. Right. So I have, you know, my Pinterest um, <laughs> my Pinterest board filled with garments that I would one day like to make for myself, but I don't know when that's going to happen. <laughs> Are people more into adding details and things right now and not so much actually sewing something from scratch? I think people are more into um, smaller things yeah. and things that don't need to be so personalized. You know, like garments are hard because everyone is so different. Right. And, you know, getting a perfect fit for me to somehow write in words how they can get it to fit them perfectly is really hard. Yeah. So 
easier for us to do things that you're more, more one size fits all. Yeah, that makes sense. And and people, you know, I, I think people want to feel like they've accomplished something and we don't have a lot of time, you know, right. <laughs> so we want to just kind of do something quick that we can finish and say, look, I made this. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to Instagram it or whatever. <laughs> I can check off my Pinterest board and actually say I did that one. Uh, so, so uh, really quick, I want to, and I don't have tons of time, but I, I want to get into, um, questions of budgeting because crafting gosh can be a very expensive hobby. Um, and I'm wondering if when, you know, when this wasn't something that you were doing for a living and as part of a business, what were some ways that you kept it under control? Um, the costs involved. You know, it's funny. I'm actually more conscious. I think of price now that it's a business, which I know is kind of surprising. Um, and I don't know why that is, but um, just, I mean, there are definitely some, some ways. The first thing is, um, I, I think if you have a good way to organize your supplies, you will find yourself buying less. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is not only because, you know, you'll be able to see what you have and not buy repeat things, but I think it also helps um, because if you have it well organized, then you can save more of your scraps or large pieces that are left over and you don't feel like, oh, I'm just going to lose this anyway. I might as well just toss it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's I think that's really a good place to start is to make sure you have a great way to organize everything. And for me, that comes down to my fabric is um, color coordinated. I kind of have a system of if a piece is big enough to be folded, <laughs> then I keep it on the shelf. If it's um, between a small little, say, like three by three square up into that space, the bin for it. And if it's smaller than three by three, I toss it. Okay. Um, My paper is also color coordinated. um, And my scraps I have in a bin. I tend to use, um, I'm not as good about uh, using scrap paper. Um, I use that more actually just for like scrap note paper for Mm -hmm. jotting things down while I'm working. Um, And I just think, you know, I have clear bins or I have um, glass jars, things that I can see through so that I can see what I have. If you can't see it, you're going to forget that you have it. So I think that's a good place to start. And then um, the other thing is the apps that you can get for your big, um, large chain craft stores right now are awesome because they have such great coupons inside of them. I never shop without a coupon. So that would be the first thing is, or the second thing, I guess, is to make sure you get the app for whatever craft store you like to shop at, um, because that'll save you a ton of money right there too. So you just shop locally. You don't have a, you know, a wet, like I'm sure you probably do have sites that you check out, but are you mostly just doing your, your shopping locally? I do actually, Mm -hmm. because, because I jump around so much from project to project and, you know, medium to medium, it doesn't make sense for me to buy um, wholesale. I'd have to buy way too much than I personally would ever need. And I kind of like being out there in the craft stores too, because it lets me see what everybody else is seeing too, you know, so I can see what's trending. Or a lot of times I can say to my students, oh my gosh, this is on sale right now. And I know you guys have been asking for it, you know, things like that. So I like being out there where everyone else is. What about some of these, you know, more um, expensive pieces of equipment? Is there ever a way that can you rent those? Are those ever available to be used without actually having to purchase them? I'm thinking of things like the electronic die cutter or I've seen those embroidery machines and stuff like that, um, which can be very pricey. Yes. 
Um, I'm not sure about the embroidery machines. That's actually on my wish list of things to buy for myself. <laughs> I don't have one. Um, but you, a lot, if you have a small, um, like locally owned scrapbooking store in mm-hmm. your area, a lot of times they will let you rent their silhouette. Okay. Their die cutter. Um, and a lot of times they'll, they'll have classes based around it and you can go and they'll have a couple of them there and you can, um, spend a couple hours there making a project with it. So that's a great way to not only, you know, if they're going to let you use it for whatever project you want, you can do that. But it's also a great way for people who are kind of on the fence about such a large investment to go and get some experience with it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess with any of those, you know, like with any large piece of equipment, it's just deciding what, I remember for a long time ago, for everyone was buying, um, what is the thing that, sergers. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was like a big thing. And those are quite pricey. Yes. And then I, th- I was, you know, trying to kind of get into sewing at the time. And I thought, how often would I use this? <laughs> <laughs> Not very, you know. I mean, for me, is it that big of a deal to hand sew a, 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 the edge off of something when I'm probably only going to use it once? And so, right. you know, it's, it's tempting because you see everybody getting these things and they they're cool, you know, and they do cool things, but. No. And I mean, I went through the same thought process when it was pretty much the decision to either get a silhouette, you know, Mm -hmm. a camp, a a cutting system or save up a little bit longer and get that embroidery machine. And I really thought to myself, okay, well, this was before, you know, I started classes based around it, everything. Mm -hmm. It was just me as a, as a regular crafter thinking, okay, I'm going to buy myself something. And I thought, which one am I going to get more use out of? And at the time, it was the cutting system. So that's what I went with. And thank goodness I did because it's turned into so many projects for the blog. That's great. Well, Nikki, this has been such a pleasure. Um, I will definitely have links to your crafting Academy and the things that we talked about in the show notes. Um, but is there anything else that we didn't get to that you wanted to share or anything you've got going on right now that you want to talk about? Um, we're starting a birthday club, which is going to oh, be cool. fun. So you're going to be able to, um, get a craft goodie box sent to you once a year on your birthday. So we're really excited to get that going. Hopefully it will launch July 1st and we'll have lots of details about that on the Nikki and stitches.com site. So, um, if everyone wants to subscribe over there, so we'll be the first to know it's going to be fun. It's going to be like a fabric swap. Um, but like so much cooler. <laughs> <laughs> well, my birthday's in July, so I'll definitely check that out. Yay! <laughs> Maybe one of the first people in there. Well, great, Nikki. Well, thank you so much. This has been fun and have, have a great uh, summer break. We were talking before we got on about the craziness that ensues when the kids come out of school and um, yes. we're both just gearing up for it. So good luck. Good luck, <laughs> good luck to you. <laughs> Bye, Nikki. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's it for episode 33 of the Home Hour podcast. Thanks for listening. If you want to get links to some of the things that Shana and I or Nikki and I talked about today, just go to the show notes. They're at thehappiesthome.com backslash episode 33. And like always, I would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes or one of the other Um, places you might listen to the podcast, whether that's Stitcher or whatever application you use. Um, I would think that was fantastic. Thank you so much in advance. Also, if you want to call in with a question for Shana or a question for me or a question for a future guest or really any kind of a comment, just go to thehomehour.com and in the sidebar, you will see a place where you can record your voice message for us and it might become part of the show. 
Thanks again, everybody. Remember, this is the last episode until July. So go back through those archives and get caught up in the meanwhile. And I'll see you back here in July. Thank you.